Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to the final episode in our Queen Victoria series. Today, we're going a little dark. We're going to be discussing the eight, eight assassination attempts on the queen and two of her most notorious stalkers. So I'll start off by offering a little trigger warning. If this sort of violence is something that you've dealt with or you're just uncomfortable with, skip this one and we'll see you back next week. I will say that nothing bad actually happened to Victoria apart from a black eye from one of the attempts on her life. Okay, so you've been warned. Let's begin. The stalkers actually came onto the timeline of Victoria's reign first, but their stories are a little longer and more interesting. So we're going to start with the assassination attempts and end with a whammy of a story. When you're in a position of power, lots of people want you dead for various reasons, especially when you're the queen of the most powerful empire in the world. The first would-be assassin was an 18-year-old bartender named Edward Oxford. The most English name ever. About four months after Victoria and Albert married in 1840, and the queen was pregnant already with her first child, mind you, both Victoria and Albert were on a leisure ride through Hyde Park. They regularly rode in an open carriage, which is giving me serious JFK vibes, and Albert saw Oxford only six paces away from the carriage, but didn't have a chance to warn her before a shot was fired. Luckily, a beautiful horse had distracted Victoria and she turned her head at just the right moment and was unharmed. A second shot was fired, but this time she ducked and then a crowd took Oxford down. He admitted to the assassination attempt, but at trial successfully argued insanity. He was committed to an asylum for 24 years. His motivation for trying to kill the queen? Notoriety. Okay, so that's 1840. 1842 was just year of the assassin for Victoria. I couldn't find a whole lot of information about him, but an 18-year-old man named John Francis tried to kill Victoria on two, two consecutive days. On May 29, 1842, Victoria and Albert were riding in an open carriage again, attending a church service. Again, Albert watched the gunman point and shoot, but this time the gun didn't fire, so Francis pocketed it and disappeared into the crowd. Albert alerted everyone in security, but they couldn't find him. Victoria never wanted to give in to these assassination attempts and wanted to prove both that she wasn't frightened and that nothing would stop her from getting out into the world to see her subjects. They also wanted to see if they might get him out in the open, so they kind of set a trap. The very next day, they were riding in the same open carriage to the same palace. John Francis, of course, showed up, shot at the queen from five paces, and the police, who were out in force because of the incident the day before, tackled him. I couldn't find information on what happened to him or what his motive was, but after the trial, he received the sentence to be hanged, drawn, and quartered. But Victoria herself commuted his sentence so that he would only suffer banishment in Australia. Just a few weeks later, on July 3rd, 1842, another gunman fired at her while she was in another carriage going to church. This was yet another teenager, 17-year-old John William Bean. This case was especially strange. Bean had a spinal deformity called kyphosis, which caused curvature of his spine, and as a result, he was only about four feet tall. He was super depressed about his lot in life and saw this assassination attempt as a way to change his circumstances. Goes to show you how much depression can warp a person's logic. Again, Albert watched the gunman point and fire, and again, the gun didn't go off. 
That was because he had filled the gun with tobacco and clay as opposed to gunpowder. This was key in his defense. He said he never meant to actually hurt the queen. He just wanted attention. Two teenage boys were standing next to him and saw what happened. They apprehended him and took him to a nearby police officer who thought it was a joke because of Bean's height. He let Bean go. It wasn't until later when Albert told security, which I say in air quotes because clearly there was no security, that the police took it seriously and went on a manhunt. They rounded up every person in London known to have a hunched back, and two weeks later, he was arrested. Bean was sentenced to 18 months hard labor. Lucky for Victoria, she got a bit of an assassin reprieve for seven years. In 1849, an unemployed Irishman named William Hamilton, who had come to England because of the Great Potato Famine, also known as the Great Hunger. He fired at the Queen's carriage when she was en route to her birthday party, but her groundskeepers were able to tackle him down. Interestingly, it wasn't so much a political motivation. Hamilton had been unemployed and literally starving, so he actually wanted to go to prison, and this was his ticket. He was banished to Gibraltar, which was a prison colony at the time. Hang in there, listeners. We've still got three more. The next one was one year later, also in June. It's interesting that most of these attempts were in May and June. I'm guessing either because of her birthday or better weather, so more likely that she'd have an open carriage. Anyway, there was a mentally ill former British Army officer named Robert Pate. He was someone that everyone in London, including the Queen, knew about because he was seen often exhibiting erratic behavior. Well, when her carriage was stopped right outside Cambridge House, where her uncle was dying, Pate walked up to the carriage, three of her kids were in there with her, mind you, and whacked Victoria over the head with a cane. People freaked out, and she was like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, waving people away and going about her business. She got a really bad bump and a black eye for her trouble. Pate was sent to Tasmania, lots of prison colonies. Pate was the only one of Victoria's assassins who actually physically hurt her. The next attempt wouldn't be for 22 years. In 1872, an Irishman who did have a political agenda fired at the queen. John Brown, her servant and possible lover, apprehended the teenager. Another 17-year-old. What's with these 17-year-olds? Anyway, it was a broken gun. He was just trying to scare her and get her to agree to release Irish political prisoners. He went to prison for a year before he too was sent off to Australia. Last but not least, we've got Robert McLean 10 years later in 1882. He was another man who was mentally unwell, and when he fired a shot, some schoolboys from Eton came to her rescue. McLean was committed for the rest of his life. Some final thoughts on the assassination attempts. None of them were successful. Most of them were bids for notoriety, and interestingly, there were two positive outcomes. First, for Victoria, every time someone took a shot at her, her popularity would soar. I'm guessing sympathy and renewed nationalism. Second, the trials these men underwent did a lot to establish laws pertaining to defense of the mentally ill. So, silver linings. Okay, those were the assassination attempts. Now, let's move on to the stalkers. When Victoria came to the throne, she was barely 18 years old. And while she wasn't Helen of Troy, she was pretty and young. It's like the equivalent of how everybody was obsessed with young William and Harry when they were all over the teen magazines. So lots of dudes fell in love with the young queen and took it too far. The first one was a silversmith named Thomas Flower. He was hopelessly in love with the queen and wrote her letters proposing marriage. In July of 1838, so about a year after she became queen and only a month after her coronation, 
he broke into Buckingham Palace and wandered around trying to find her to propose in person. He couldn't find her and got sleepy, so he went to sleep on a chair, the chair being right outside the queen's bedroom. He was jailed and bailed out. Okay, now we get to the creepy story. About six months after this first break-in, another stalker gained access to the palace multiple times. In December 1838, when he was 14 years old, Edward Jones dressed himself as a chimney sweep, stood on his face and everything, and broke into Buckingham Palace. Queen Victoria wasn't actually there. She was at Windsor Castle, which is good news, but Jones did a few unsettling things. He wandered through the palace completely unchecked, no security at all around, stole the queen's portrait, ate some of her food, drank some of her wine, and most creepy of all, stole some of Victoria's underwear. Yeah. Finally, a porter saw him and called the palace guards and police. He was captured on St. James Street and didn't fight the charges at all. He was like, yeah, I did it. Put me on trial. It's fine. The trial became a sensation. Because he was only 14 years old, some people thought it was just a boy being a boy, while others were horrified because they're rightfully like, oh my God, he just waltzed into the palace. He could have killed her easily. It turns out that at the time, Buckingham Palace didn't have a head of security, and so many different people were in charge of different things that it just got lost in the noise, which is extra unsettling because 100 years later, in the 1980s, the current Queen Elizabeth had somebody actually break into her room and come sit and chat with her. So hopefully they've upped the guards at Buckingham Palace. The papers started calling Edward, the boy Jones, and he got himself a good lawyer and managed to get a verdict of not guilty. Everyone was kind of like, okay, you got us, and you pointed out some security issues. Grow up and use your powers for good. The boy Jones started getting all these weird offers to profit off his notoriety, but for the most part, he turned them down. His family really tried to help him find gainful employment. But then, two years later, just nine days after the birth of Princess Vicky, her first child, the boy Jones, now 16 years old, scaled a wall, broke into the palace, wandered around again, and left undetected. A month later, he did the same thing, but fell asleep under a sofa just outside of Victoria's bedroom, where Baroness Lazen, who had been Victoria's governess, found him. Victoria wrote in her journal, Supposing he had come into the bedroom, how frightened I should have been. So scary, poor Victoria. He was put on trial again, and his dad tried to get him a plea for insanity, but that was rejected, and he was sentenced to a few months in prison. Now, stalking of the monarch wasn't a felony somehow, so the government didn't know what to do with this kid. He was making them look bad, and they were genuinely concerned for the queen's safety. They tried talking him into joining the Navy, hoping that he would be out of the country and doing something useful. He refused. Then he broke into the palace yet again and helped himself to some food in the royal apartments. So finally, they added three new guards, and this time he was forced into hard labor. But then he was caught loitering outside of Buckingham Palace, and Lord Melbourne was like, enough is enough. So he was kidnapped Fake letters purporting to be him were sent to his family, and he was forced into the Navy and shipped off to Brazil, which is kind of terrifying that your government can just do that. He made it back to England somehow, and then he was promptly kidnapped back into the Navy yet again. He was forced to serve for five years before they kind of gave up and sent him to Australia, where he died in 1893 after falling from a bridge while he was drunk. 
There are several books about the boy Jones and even a movie from the 50s depicting the story. There's also a really good overview of his entire life on a podcast episode from Stuff You Missed in History class. All of that will be in the show notes, so make sure you check the show notes for more information. Also, I have, I think, four more bottles of the limited edition Victoria perfume left, so if you want one, also head to the show notes for the link. I hope you enjoyed our time with Victoria. Please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show, and I'll see you back next week when we head down to the Roaring Twenties to look at the life of the Queen of Paris, who spied for the French Resistance, dated Frida Kahlo, and took on civil rights in America.